Hey, it's Jules. What do you do when your marriage is in the ditch? Or how do you even prevent it from even getting to that point? Angel Davis is a Christian counselor and author of the book, The Perfecting Storm, and she is with us today on the Next Jewel Show podcast. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. You know exactly what that feels like when you feel like your marriage is in that ditch and there is absolutely no hope. Yeah, I do. I sure do. I was there. And I had tried everything psychologically that I knew. I'm a counselor. You would think I would know these things, right? (laughs) I'm helping other people. And it just wasn't working to bring life to our marriage. So I thought there was no other option but divorce. How did you justify that? Because you are are a Christian. Yes. And you are a Christian that was going to church. Yes. Yes. But I was at that point, which is a, a long time ago, but at that point, I was a Christian that bended truth to fit my circumstances. Explain that to me. Yeah. So um, would find loopholes in scripture or not even look at scripture, but feel like I heard the voice of God tell me it was okay to leave. I literally did in church, by the way, heard what I thought was the voice of God saying, you can do more for me if you leave your husband. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which wasn't grounded in God's word at all. Not at all. And at that point, I did not understand the concept of, of you have to go to scripture to see if that's true. But God had me surrounded, had one person in my life that called me out on it and said, where in the Bible does it say you can do that for that reason, for the reason. And I did know scripture and I could not, couldn't justify it. So you had that one friend speaking uh-huh. truth, because I'm sure everybody else was on the bandwagon with you. Oh, they were. Whatever makes you feel good, Angel. Whatever, you know, yes, yes. They were all on, in my emotion and in my circumstances, they were on my side. And so fast forward, because now you've been married over 30 years. 38 almost. Yeah. But it was at this moment of like, you know, oh, I'm going to stay married and everything is going to be roses and no long walks on the beach no <laughs> no hallmark movie it's a process here. no hallmark movie here <laughs> no um when i said yes i said to stay it was yes to god to be obedient to his word and that was it but i thought i was going to be stuck and be miserable honestly that's what i thought okay kind of life is over i'm gonna just be stuck here and be miserable but i'm gonna obey you god but, but I'm, I'm not gonna do it but in the lord's sovereign grace he brought healing into my life which i didn't even know i needed that transformed my heart changed my thinking all the lies i was believing about myself about my husband about my marriage about god even um he started healing those and re- According to Romans 12, 2, renewing my mind, becoming a new person by renewing my mind. And I saw the power of that. It was miracle stuff. And then that started feeding new life into our marriage. Would you say that you and your husband are opposite? Oh, absolutely. Every test you could take, we're opposite. (laughs) So what do you do with that? Right. Well, that's the other lie, I think. And and I think in our fast-paced, get-it-quick world, We don't see the beauty of um, the growing, and we don't see the beauty of the development. But just like a kid develops, a marriage develops over time. And so what I've seen is our marriage develop over time into this beautiful thing. Not the beauty that I had in my mind. Where he was... 
conform to what you wanted him right, to be. Right, yeah. exactly. Because I tried that for 15 years. I think we all do, right? <laughs> and it did not work. Um, but the beauty that God intended, so our opposites are there. It's like, you know, one and one make one, according to God. So our opposites are actually perfecting things that help us both um, grow in grace, and that's iron sharpens iron, as the Bible says. And we complement each other so well. So we, when we learn we're not on opposite sides, we're on the same team, and we can use those opposites in unity together, then it becomes this beautiful um beautiful thing yeah well well, you know and and not all marriages start out as opposites but you can kind of grow apart and start wanting different things in life and then all of a sudden you look over and you're like we're opposite right and that's where we call in the world irreconcilable differences right and that's what I think a lot of divorces uh, claim right um where you just start going. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that has to do with that. That's where the psychology comes in and, and, and the spiritual, because if you're not centered on Christ, then you will grow apart. I mean, it's like if personally, if we're not nurturing our relationship with Christ, then we're going to either, we're gonna either going closer or farther away. And so in a marriage, if we're not nurturing that, communicating, doing the things, being honest, but first dealing with our own hearts, you know, we always want to deal with our spouse's heart first, right? Yes. You do this, you do that, you shape up, you, you know, whatever. It's the you, you, you. Then, um, and that really just pushes us farther apart. Um, especially as a woman, I can speak for a, for a man, he's always feeling like he's failing me. That's what I learned in our marriage, that when I have these great ideas and constructive criticisms of how he could be because I can frame it really nicely because I'm your counselor oh I mean mean, you you learned it I had had all the right words Uh you probably could diagnose them too right oh absolutely (laughs) he was my PhD paper (laughs) I I tease him with that but um because he was a godly man he didn't bend to that he did not bend to my manipulation which drove me nuts but it actually, as I got healed, I saw that that was the God in him. Um, knowing who he was, standing in the place that he knew he needed to stand in because it's how God made him, where he needed to be, and not be manipulated by me. And that was actually a gift he gave me. Did you ever tell him that God's wanting me to leave you? And God wants this. I did. I did. That was the so what did it, kind of you, gauntlet. You said that he's a godly man. What was his response? Well, he then kind of woke up. I mean, he he has his own part in this, and someday he may tell it. He's he's pretty private, so he doesn't like to get on shows like this and tell it. <laughs> but um, he's been so supportive of this whole process. But he had his own, you know, issues, and um, so it woke him up because he knew I was serious um, about leaving. Mm-hmm. And so he started pursuing me, started working on things that we need, we neglected and we didn't work, you know, we should have worked on more before. Well, and that, that leads me to my next question. Are there seasons of a person's life that are kind of the danger zones in marriage? Yeah, you know, I'm not the best at those statistics. That's a hard word. It is. See, I (laughs) I rest my case. Um, But I will say there is this seven-year itch, so to speak. Um, And it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's God's perfection number, seven. But there's a lot of marriages that start struggling around that, that year. 
Is it, is it because God's using that marriage in your life? To- well, you know, if we looked at, you know, um, when the research wouldn't say that, but I would think, uh, you know, it makes anecdotal sense that right. that would be the thing. Or because, and here's what if is so important for Christians that are married to know. You have an enemy that wants to take out your marriage, and he will do everything to destroy a Christian marriage because why a Christian marriage is supposed to reflect Jesus and the bride. It's supposed to reflect who we are in Christ and who Christ is to us. So Satan is out to take out marriages and he's very sneaky. He's very subtle. He's an angel of light. Like when I hear the voice at church that says, you could do more for your husband if you leave. And you were at church. I mean, you, you could do more for God if yeah, you leave. Yeah, and, and that lie came to you at church that yes. you believed it. I'm sure a lot of it was you were in that situation. You were probably... Oh, yeah. It just... It, I was at church. I was singing God. Yes. Singing about God. And, and then, so it fed uh-huh. sure. my feelings and, my, and I was just desperate. And Satan knew that and he's an angel of light. So he made it sound like it was him, but it was not him. How, how do I know that? Because it didn't match scripture bottom line. That's how I knew. So seven years, you say that does? Yes. And back to that. So then also (laughs) very aware of that because I have a new grandbaby. But the first year after a birth of a child is statistically one of the lowest marital satisfaction um, uh, years because there's not getting a lot of sleep. Oh, and just so much refinement goes on and issues that you didn't have to deal with as a couple. When you bring a kid into it, the mix, you have to deal with stuff. Uh, Example would be like in-laws, you know, and working out when we visit, when we don't visit, how much they're involved, how, you know, when we go see them or how they're going to come see us. A lot of those issues you don't have to really pay too much attention to until you have a child. Right. So that's an example. So a lot of things come to the surface. So two, the two biggest refining things we have, I think, on this side is uh, a marriage and children. So it seems like, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that when you're in a season where God is refining you, mm-hmm. that maybe will be the first thing you neglect is your marriage? Uh, very, it could be, yes. So maybe a be. loss of a job or right. loss of a parent, something that where you're going to have to... It could be. So, um, and again, this is anecdotal after my 32 years of working with folks and my own experience, but um, I would say that for men, they're going to pull away and this is again it could be the man or the woman sure but one usually one spouse will kind of go inward and the other will go outward so one might become more needy on the relationship which is can be as damaging and the other one may withdraw Um, and both of those extremes bring hardship in it all right so at what point is it that you need to find help That's a great question, and it's different for everybody. Here's what I love about our culture now is that uh, counseling has lost its stigma, kind of, except for sometimes in the church, maybe not, because, you know, it's like we we have God, we don't need, you know, somebody else. But If you weren't weren't being a good Christian, you wouldn't have this problem, right? Sometimes that's our thinking, and it's just not true. But I understand how people think that way. Um, so the point, I think we, 
I, you know, I think in what I've seen healthy couples do from the get-go when they, when they started out well, we did not start out well, and we tell people that all the time, um, is there's somebody involved in your marriage from the get-go. You've got mentors, you've got people that um, have been married and are speaking into your life so that it's a built-in thing. It's not like a problem thing. But it's almost like a community where we're used to, yes. where we've isolated ourselves yes. now. Yeah, and I see that kind of happening more with the, the younger people now, which excites me, um, and they're wanting mentorship, and, and, and that's a great thing. And so here's the deal. You're going to get married. You're going to have problems, period. Well, it's a guarantee. Okay, you, you're born. You're going to have problems. It's a guarantee, yeah. John 16, 33. We're going to have problems <laughs> right. on this side of That's Earth. right. So it's, News alert. So it's no surprise. But again, part of the enemy's tactics is to have us keep things secret and have us thinking we have to look good and we can't admit that we've got, we're struggling or we're not communicating. I mean, that was part of me as a counselor and a Christian counselor to say that, I'm helping other people, but my marriage is like dying over here. I was too ashamed to say anything. Right, right. So do you find that people wait too long to get help? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the Bible talks about you catch the foxes in the hen house, the little things. And there's research actually that talks about that. Shante Felden has some good books, but she talks about it's the little things. She She's the researcher or one of them that make a profound difference. And so if you can work on the little things, because we look at the marriage and we think, oh, there's just no way, or we can't get through all this. But when you start adjusting little things, God does the exponential with it. Um, But yes, the sooner you can catch it, the better. All right, so... so what are what is that like what how do you know then it's not just like you know a little bump in the road right well i would say I one, mean, what are some signs that you say okay those are the little things red alert oh yeah yeah, yeah so if it keeps if there's a cycle that keeps coming up keeps coming up keeps coming up you know there's like this these sticking points that you just can't ever get over and you have these arguments about or you have stalemates about and then you just let it die off and then oh it gets better and we get back into or, our or is it like when you have a fight but really it's about this even though oh, you're absolutely. About that. So another thing, but you don't always know that, right? You have right. to be pretty self-aware. So it's the level of your response. Like if you are just escalating and you're so angry or you're getting down in the pit, you know, so you look at sometimes like, does that match what's really going on in the circumstance? So if the response and the circumstance don't match, that can be a red flag. Um, the other thing is if you look at patterns in families, cause we tend to unconsciously bring in our, um, the things that didn't work with our, our own families. Sure. So if you look at that and you see it, then you, you might want to go ahead and address it so you can make it, make it different, um, on the front end or, you know, sooner. Yeah, which, by the way, leads me back to another, the thought about the different stages. Oftentimes, empty nester is a really, that you see a lot of people getting divorced at that point because they haven't nurtured, they haven't worked on these things. The kids are gone. That's what's brought them the glue that's holding them together. And now they're looking at each other like, now what? So if you keep stuffing <laughs> it and keep stuffing yeah. it, it will come out. It will come out. You got to either talk out your feelings 
or you're going to act them out. They will not go away. The Lord gave those to us. They're signposts. They're like information, but it doesn't mean it's our destination, but especially women, some men, but we use our feelings as like it's it's our destination. No, it's just information, and we need to process that information, deal with the information. Oh, I love that. I love that. Is there a common uh, lie? Because you see individuals and couples day in and day out. Is there a theme that you see with a lie that they're all believing? Well, a lot for a lot of women, it's the, and, and I would, I could say men, it's I'm not enough, some version of that. So the man may feel like he's not making impact on his family. Like what he does is never good enough. It's just never good enough for you. You know, so I can't live up to your expectations. The woman uh, may feel like I'm not enough for you, meaning I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not doing this enough, that enough. And so why there, that's a common theme is because it goes back to the Garden of Eden. And it's, uh, you know, Satan comes in and steals really our true identity as sons and daughters of Christ. And that's really for me, when I look at a relational issue, I'm usually bringing it back there because usually there's some thread, not always, but some thread back to that in our life. It, and that, I can say that for me, I did not know my true identity in Christ and I was not rooted in it. I might've had the concept, but my heart was telling me, you're just not enough and you got to perform and you got to be perfect and you got to do all these other things um, that kept me in bondage. And it is, it's almost like a uh, dog chasing its tail. Yes. Yeah. You know, because then he's wanting that, you're wanting this, and then it's that cycle. It, yes. So it's a little, it's like a little trap we get in early on and the cycle goes. And as it goes in a marriage, it just collects more debris and more hardship and more ache and more. And that's why then it feels like it's a chasm that cannot be um, bridged. It feels, feels that way. And then there's no hope. Right. I was totally without hope. Mm-hmm. Totally without hope. So what happens though when there's only one person working on a marriage? Yeah. Well, so that was another reason I was totally without hope because my teaching and all my training told me it had to be two people working on the marriage. So I'm like, forget it. It's not going to happen. Even in your training, it said that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most traditional uh, marriage at that point anyway, and still pretty much um, training tells you, you have to, the two people working it out, talking it through, doing all that Who stuff. want the same thing. That is a healthy well, marriage. are motivated. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. To work towards that. So um, I didn't think it was going to work. That's why another reason why I was hopeless. So God, as he hemmed me in, as I like to say, (laughs) out of love, he hemmed me in, wouldn't let me, I had the choice, but I didn't leave. Then he started showing me the power of what he could do through one person. And it's all through the Bible, which I never saw, of course, until I went through my own journey. But the one I love to go to is Isaiah 61 because it is such a powerful promise. And it's such, I've seen it happen in my life, in my marriage, in my family, and in countless other families. But one person lets God redeem their heart. And so the, I, well, I, 
have to, I don't have my Bible open, so I can't quote it just right, but it says, I came to bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free. And this is the scripture that um, Jesus stood up in Luke 4 and said, this is why I came. This is why I came to set you free. Because I know your sin and other people's sin have put you in captivity. And he says, I hate what evil has done to my children. And so he said, I came to bring beauty out of the ashes, praise instead of mourning, joy instead of despair. And that happens first in our hearts. That's the ground that we can let him have. We have control over that. We don't have control over our spouse but we have control over whether we let God really search our hearts, let him really heal us. And then it says, you will become an oak of righteousness planted for my glory. And then you who have allowed me to do this in your own life will help renew, rebuild, restore ancient ruins that have long been devastated. And in my psychological world, what I've seen is that means legacy changes. So you can have a legacy of divorce, you can have a legacy of abuse, you can have a legacy of all these things, but as God redeems your heart and it comes into your life, it starts redeeming those around you. It's crazy, like crazy. God's crazy exceedingly and abundantly more. And what what a great promise that like there is hope in your marriage if you are just the one person that is surrendering to Jesus. That's it. That's all you have to be. Right. Well, and it's all you have control over. So the outcome is the Lord's, meaning he knows that other person's heart. He knows what he's going to do. You know, here's the, the, the beauty of I married a really good man. He was a good man. So um, his heart was open to the Lord. So as, as God changed me, then it, you know, it did have that impact and, and the Lord knows, but he also knows how to soften hearts and change his hearts. Mm -hmm. We look at Ezekiel and he says that, so it's about really trusting God. Do we really, I mean, that was the bottom line. A, did I know my God and B, did I really trust him? And that's a hard question. Yeah. Because you can say all day long, I trust you, I trust you, until you and, really have to put boots on it. Until you are in the, those moments. And and I I mean, it would take me all day to talk about the moments when he's, I mean, here's another, here's another thing, Angel. Are you going to trust me? Or are you going to not trust me? I mean, it was just a building, a building, a building of that. And I think, you know, especially in our culture, we want that mountaintop experience and then launch into this new different marriage. But right. that's not, that is another lie. It is another lie. And a lot of people that, you know, read my book, they would talk about, oh, you know, how quick did this happen or whatever. I'm, this is years of redemption. This is years of work. It's not, it didn't happen overnight. I didn't say yes to God and stay. And then all of a sudden, woo, no, um, it, it took a, probably a good decade to work out, um, the heart stuff and the issues and all. But I will say the miserable part, just for people out there that need this, <laughs> the yeah. miserable part didn't last that long. Um, because I started seeing the hope right away and he started bringing it in. So that part was, a, a you know, in timeline, smaller, but yet longer than you think it might be sometimes. So it is, it, we, God developed, however you look at the Bible, but he developed the world. He didn't just in one day the whole thing show up. He developed it. You look at how he created life. It's a developmental thing. Why would our marriages not be the same? 
Right. Well, and and because I know you, Angel, I know the flip side and the other end of this story is you have a marriage now that's 30 plus years. What number are you on? It'll be 38 this 38. Year. Yes. And you have uh, children and yes. you have now a grandbaby yes. at your house right yes. now waiting on you. Yes. It's worth the work. It's worth it. Worth it. Hashtag worth it. I was talking to somebody this morning um, who's not married yet, who is yearning for that and God has promised and you know so she's in that transition and that's what I was saying hashtag worth it you know worth the wait um anything of value is costly anything of value is costly and so we don't think we have to cost ourselves but we do if you look at the scriptures um a lot of the sacrifices about sacrificing our will our way our hearts, um, and it's just not a popular uh, topic, but it's true. Um, and so, to have a valuable marriage, you um, you're going to go through sacrifice. You're going to go through pain, but it's worth it. And when you were going through it, your 30s, 40s, what were your? What mm-hmm. was she- yeah, I'd have to do the math, but that's about right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you could go back and tell the 30, 40. Angel Davis, mm. what would you say now knowing it took decades of work, mm-hmm. but this is what you're reaping because you, you put in the time? Oh, wow. That's a great question, Jules. So what immediately hits me is I wouldn't talk to the 30, 40-year-old. I'd talk to the little girl inside of that little 30, 40-year-old. And I would wrap my arms around her and tell her, I know you're hurting. I know you don't see any way out. And I know you feel alone, but there is a way. And God is here, and he's going to help us, and we're going to get through this. So that's what I would say. Because, and that's a, a point that a lot of people I have found don't realize, is that we carry around our little, ch- our childhood kid in us. And most of, the, a lot of the wounds that play out in adulthood have started in a childhood and that's why we fight like we're middle schoolers right when we get into a marital fight i mean we really if you step truth angel if you step back we sound like a bunch of middle schoolers i can i can say that for myself Um, (laughs) that's why we're laughing because it's so true (laughs) right so there are these lies and if we don't address that younger part of us i know it may sound freaky to some people but i think a lot of people know what i'm talking about when i'm talking about it right now um then we can't ever integrate and become whole and become the mature, you know, um, woman of God or man of God that he designed us to be. So the example the Lord gave me one time was it's like a a bear trap. Never been in one, seen pictures. Yeah. But so it's like your little leg is trapped. And the more you try to get out of it, the bloodier your leg gets. So what you need is somebody to come rescue you from that. So that, that little part of me that believed the lies that I had to earn my love, I had to earn the right to be loved, I had to be good enough to be loved, all those things really had nothing to do with my husband, had to do with the lies that I believed as a kid. It was like that little bear trap. And then I'm trying to get my husband to rescue me, but he's not, he can't do that. He's not equipped. The only one that can rescue you from that is Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and renew your mind and get you out of that trap. 
Hmm. But what if you have that spouse that is continuing to hurt you and you um, have to continue to forgive? It's, it's easy to forgive if it's done, but if it keeps going on right, and on. Right. Well, again, that's where you've got to have godly people surrounding you. And again, if your spouse won't go, you go get help. Um, don't wait for your spouse to be ready. You go get help. Um, because as you're getting help, then, you know, so it'd be like if the two of you are drowning, but nobody reaches out for the life preserver, somebody's got to start the process. And a lot of times, you know, we'll be like, I'd be angry and I'm like, I'm not going to be the one to do it. I'm always the one to do it. And, and God's looking at me like, you know, well, don't you want to get help regardless of what happens to your marriage? So, um, you you need to get help and so that you can hear God correctly you can um, be guided um, in a way that is going to be redemptive I don't know I never as in counselors we're not supposed to we don't ever predict outcomes or try to make outcomes happen and hopefully as uh, you know lay people too in, in church we would because then we're trying to mess with God's part of the job our job is just to help bring the person to Christ, let help them hear from the Holy Spirit, help them get the healing they need. And in that, because Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed into a new person by the renewal of your mind. And then you will know God's pleasing and perfect will for your life. But we try to know God's will before we get the transformation. Because it all goes back to that. We don't really trust God. Right. We're, we're running our ship. I mean, really, yeah. we are. And he's so gracious and he's so forgiving that, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Well, and, and I hear a theme throughout because it, it what helped you is having that godly friend. So pray for it, ask for it, seek yes. it out. That, that's critical. And if you got a, a band of cheerleaders that are cheering you off the cliff, get away from them. Yeah. And again, well-meaning friends. And most of these friends are still in my life. And thank God we've all evolved and matured in our faith. You know, praise right. Jesus for that. But it recently I had an example of somebody and, um, you know, highly encouraged them, open up. You know, we we give everybody the surface, you know, the really pretty uh, version, or we just say, oh, will you pray for my marriage because it's struggling? So this one person I really encouraged because they had a safe place, safe, you know, group from church. And um, she really opened up and got surrounded and prayed for. And uh, the uh, just the strength that I heard in her because she had gotten honest. And then her Christian friends um, responded in a really healthy way. And so that's going to bring new life to her. It's going to bring new life to the marriage. And again, don't know what's going to happen with that, but there's more chance that it can get redeemed in that environment. Well, and, and also what we speak, uh, how we speak to our friends and especially our girlfriends, when you, when they come to you with a prayer request, it, watch your words. Yes. You know, here's the thing too, that I learned it is so easy to diss our spouse. I mean, we can, you know, he's not doing this, she's not doing that, and not... Even jokingly. Yes. And it is, God says, we have words of life or death. So we can say, hey, this is not working in my marriage, and I feel like he needs to work on this. I need to look at my part. You can be honest without 
dissing somebody without just it blaming somebody again shame and blame came started in the in the garden when uh, satan came in so we don't want to play his game we want to play god's game and that's when we win is when we play his we don't play his game you know what i'm saying but we do it his way um and so we speak words of life we speak truth in love so if i'm if i'm just putting my husband down that's not love um, but if I say, I am feeling lonely, I'm feeling abandoned, I, I don't feel like my husband's meeting my needs, that's a different thing than saying, he just never does this or never does that or uh, lets me down all the time or whatever. Do you think we are giving up on our marriages too soon? Yes, a big yes. <laughs> yes, and that would be one thing. You know, I would say to that 30, 40-year-old um, that the adult part of her is hang in there hang in there just persevere just keep doing it god's way because um it will get better it's what i would tell people when they had a a brand new baby it won't always be like this (laughs) you will survive so so we can kind of say that with uh our our marriages when they're going and they're all going to go through seasons every one of them are going to go through seasons that are really hard and it may, it may come externally meaning situations in life or it may be an internal more of a you and um your spouse struggle but you're going to have multiple seasons um and there's some dark seasons and god's got a way through it and what you're so heartbreaking is there are you're saying there's people out there who are divorced that did not have to do that didn't have to go there and the other thing yes i believe that and I also believe that there's a lot of them that get divorced and are in the same situations and they never thought they would be. With new people? Yeah. I'm going to do it different. I've learned this thing, but they've never dealt with the heart stuff or the mind renewal. And so you bring right into that marriage what you had before. Um, statistically, second marriages have a higher rate of divorce. So it's the same, uh, what is that saying? Same song, different story, what, yeah, same, yeah, yeah, same yeah. story different song, yeah, whatever that, right. that, that is. And so what I would tell people that are, you know, hurting, hopeless when in my office, I said, okay, so let's just do everything we can to get you healthy, get you healed by the Lord, see what happens in your marriage, because you're going to be better off no matter what. So if you haven't done that before the divorce, then I would say you need to do that. You go work on yourself and let a godly counselor, godly people go to the word, let God renew your heart and your mind. It can't be, psychology won't do that. It will help that process. And sometimes it does that, but it has to come from the Holy Spirit to be total. See, you know, I was a counselor, psychologist for uh, 18 years or 16 before our marriage crisis. So I thought I had done, I thought I'd search myself. I thought I'd done it all. I thought I'd taken care of all my business. You've helped people. Yeah. But I'm, I'm talking personally, yeah, uh-huh. like dealt with it psych- sure. psychologically. Holy spirit blew me out of the water of the things that were hidden in my heart that I had no idea a that, that were there or B were affecting um, my marriage. It was, yeah, 
He humbled me greatly. <laughs> and and now you you've written a book and it's called The Perfecting Storm mm-hmm. that addresses a lot of what we've we've talked about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can somebody get a copy? Cuz you also have a, a DVD. Yes. So on my website, it's angelhdavis.com. You can order the book, get the DVD. The DVD is a Bible study um, that is not on Amazon or any of uh, the those kind of uh, websites, but um, the book you can get through Amazon or through me, yeah, or any of those kind of things. All right, Mel, before I let you get out of here. Okay. <laughs> got one last question. <laughs> the last question. What can we start doing today, right now, to redeem the brokenness and protect our marriage? Yeah, such a good question. Pray. First line of defense, and we say it, but do we really do it? I was talking to God. No, I was talking at God. I was not really talking with God. And I was letting, not letting him talk back to me. So it's like he's in the room, like he'd be over there in that corner, but I'm just talking to you. Or I'm talking, I'm just deep within my pain and not even acknowledging or, or really asking him, what is truth? What do you have for me? What can you do for me? So it's a prayer of surrender and um, surrendering your marriage to him, surrendering your own heart to him, and start really searching scripture. And you do need, most of the time, people need both and. We, we don't throw the baby out with bathwater. Good sound psychology is really important in healing. And yet it's a servant of God. So you still have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to transform to be able to get the wholeness. You know, salvation, sozo, is about, it's, yes, forgiveness of sins, but it's about healing and wholeness and deliverance from those lies that we believe from the enemy. So we need it all. And it takes a lot of courage. It's easier to leave than to stay. It takes a whole bunch of courage to let God do that. But I think we got people that can can do that. Yeah. And they can get in touch with you through your website as well. Yes. So give it to me one more time. AngelHDavis.com. Don't forget the H. AngelHDavis.com. So listen, if you're, if, if you are, you're listening today and, and you're hearing and, and you can relate to a lot of what um, Angel talked about, get in touch with her. Um, grab a copy of her book. Uh, and this, so again, AngelHDavis.com. Hey, Angel, thank you so much. And I appreciate our time and just the truth that you gave us. Thank you. It was a privilege to be here.